The following episode is brought to you by A Beginner's Guide to Nutrition. Are you struggling to create healthy eating habits and maintain a healthy lifestyle? Do you find it challenging to know what to eat and when to eat it? If so, I have the perfect solution for you. My simple guide teaches you not to demonize food groups like fats and carbs. You will learn what to eat to lose weight and maintain your physique. You'll also discover how to build muscle, endurance, and strength. Taking accountability for your lifestyle is one step in the right direction. Learning to rehabit ourselves and eating this, not that, will also help you become the best version of yourself. Realizing that you need to learn how to eat in order to live in moderation is a challenging admission for some to make. The ability to determine that skipping breakfast sets you up for bad food decisions throughout the day sets you up for success in your fitness journey. But that's not all. After you've learned to create healthy habits and food choices, this book doubles as a food journal. This enables you to meticulously track your meals and have a quick reference on what foods to eat all in the same place. This is a blueprint to create a newer and healthier you. Don't wait any longer to take control of your health and wellness. Order my guide today and start becoming the best version of yourself. The link will be in the show notes. also take a look at the outlook for Chelsea FC, their upcoming fixture, and we'll play some starts to sit up for Tuesday's flash for a much-needed three points against AFC Bournemouth. So, strap in, because you won't want to miss. talked about how since 1990, the average number of days between the last World Cup match and the next Premier League match was 37 days. The number of days between the 2022 World Cup and the Premier League game is eight. Yeah, this year they only have eight days off from the end of the World Cup to the start, or the, to the restart of the season. Now, you should not have any real expectations of any player who played in the World Cup to come back to their squads and even start right away. And if they do, the performances aren't guaranteed to be a good one. These guys get drained mentally, physically, and emotionally. Now, World Cup hangover is nothing new. 
it can affect everyone in different ways, regardless of whether the player has a good or bad World Cup performance. And given the unique circumstances around the timing of this year's World Cup, it means that the effect is likely going to be amplified and more visible. Also, one thing to keep in mind is that the players themselves, they just aren't robots. The same exact drive that it takes to fuel them to get them become a professional athlete in the first place that leaves a residue for the players that win constant celebration and partying and chip away at their competitors. You know, we see it all the time in college football, for example, in Tennessee, East Alabama, and the crowd storms the field. That hangover feels like an ultimate success, yes, but you likely satisfy that hunger that makes you want to continue to strive for further achievement. It's like, you know, they won their Super Bowl, they won their national championship, but they don't necessarily need to strive hard to finish out the season. But also for players who made mistakes and then they had genuine disappointment surrounding those mistakes, they feel lost opportunities that can also be extremely difficult to mentally. World Cups contaminate players' emotions long after they return home. And the best coaches and teammates, they have to understand the, the players are very much human beings, so expecting players to make an immediate switch and just be ready to jump back in the club, soccer, and ball is just unrealistic. For players who have lingering thoughts about that man pass or that shot attempt that they passed on, guess what? They'll have three and a half years before they get the opportunity to correct And that can be haunting. Um, I think about haunting. Harry, Harry Kane said it that after he missed that penalty against France, that second one, he said it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Those are the types of mistakes we're talking about. Now, here's something else to consider. So once PSG starts back up, they're going to have Messi, World Cup winner, Mbappe, World Cup runner-up, and Neymar, who lost heartbreakingly early, all in the same locker room trying to sort through and navigate those. And good luck having to be the one to sort that out, because I don't want no part of it. No thank you. So um, with that being said, I'm going to discuss Chelsea's upcoming match against Bournemouth, Bournemouth and who should start this match just happened to break. Stay tuned. All right, so a report published just before the World Cup by FIFA, which is basically just a global players union. Uh, they talked about how since 1990, the average number of days between the last World Cup match and the next Premier League match were 37 days. The number of days between the 2022 World Cup and the Premier League game is eight. Yeah, this year they only have eight days off from the end of the World Cup to the start of the, to the restart of the season. Now, you should not have any real expectations of any player who played in the World Cup to come back to their squads and even start right away. And if they do, the performances aren't guaranteed to be a good one. 
these guys get drained mentally, physically, and emotionally. Now, World Cup hangover is nothing new and can affect everyone in different ways, regardless of whether the player has a good or bad World Cup performance. Now, given the unique circumstances around the timing of this year's World Cup, it means that the effect is likely going to be amplified and more visible. Also, one thing to keep in mind is that the players themselves, they just aren't robots. The same exact drive that it takes to fuel them to even become a professional athlete in the first place that leaves a residue for the players that win constant celebration and party and chip away at their competitors. You know, we see it all the time in college football, for example, in Tennessee, East Alabama, and the crowd storms the field. That hangover feels like an ultimate success, yes, but you likely satisfy that hunger that makes you want to continue to strive for further achievement. It's like, you know, they won their Super Bowl. They won their national championship. So they don't necessarily need to strive hard to finish out the season. But also, for players who made mistakes and then they had genuine disappointment surrounding those mistakes, they feel lost opportunities that can also be extremely difficult to mentally. World Cups contaminate players emotionally long after they return home. And the best coaches and teammates, they have to understand the, the players are very much human beings, so expecting players to make an immediate switch and just be ready to jump back in the club, soccer, and ball is just unrealistic. For players who have lingering thoughts about that man pass or that shot or attempt that they passed on, guess what? They'll have three and a half years before they get the opportunity to correct And that can be haunting. Uh, I think about haunting. Harry, Harry Kane said it that after he missed that penalty against France, that second one, he said it's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Those are the types of mistakes I'm talking about. Now, here's something else to consider. So once PSG starts back up, they're going to have Messi, World Cup winner, Mbappe, World Cup runner-up, and Neymar, who lost heartbreakingly early, all in the same locker room trying to sort through and navigate those. And good luck having to be the one to sort that out, because I don't want no part of it. No thank you. So um, with that being said, I'm going to discuss Chelsea's upcoming match against Bournemouth, Bournemouth and who should start this match just have to break stay tuned having a few consistent players that need time to recover. I'm going to go with Jorginho at TDM. Conte is still out, and Kovacic needs a few to recover from all those workers after a deep, deep World Cup run in Croatia. Now, Conor Gallagher did go to Qatar, but he didn't log, he didn't log a single minute played. And he does provide nice energy, and I believe his presence is just going to give us an advantage over Bournemouth. I think he's really, really quality. 
and um, that advantage is going to come down to the fact that he had low miles logged. Uh, Zakaria likely isn't seen as like a long-term Justin player, so he probably won't even get to start. Now he'll, he'll probably be available as a sub, but I don't think he'll start. I'd also like to see Mason Mount get the other start for midfield. And he's just been undroppable, and I think it's going to come down to something close. Chelsea always seems to lean on him to get things done. His consistency is key. Um, but I'm also going to want to see what Carney. I don't even know how to say I'm going to I'm going to try to see what Carney can do. So, I'm going to recap my midfield here. I got Jorginho, Gallagher, and Mount. Carney coming off the bench with all of his so, lastly, after the break, we're going to discuss the forward. All right, out with it. I want to see right to left. Sterling Abbott Pulisic. Sterling, because he still is a very dynamic player, regardless of what's wrong or not. I don't believe you bring a guy like Sterling into your team and then you choose not to play him. You must lose him. Havertz, because he impressed me for an otherwise unimpressive jumping action during the World Cup. I think he can finish. Now, although Aubameyang at that time was part of the bigger things out, I do believe that it's average And Pulisic, because he's shown his mentality, is a, a winner. And you may not be able to precisely say or predict where Pulisic will make his impact, but over the course of game, of a game, he'll find his spot that he does in the big. And the proof is simply in the results. Ziyech needs a few more days to recover for the same reasons that Kovacic does, so I don't think he is available. So to recap my forwards, I have Sterling, Havertz, and Pulisic, ready as a sub, and maybe a sneaky debut of Omari. We'll simply have to wait and see, though, but I am genuinely excited to play, and I love to see Chelsea. Ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for today's show. If you want to interact with the show on Twitter, follow us at It's Called Soccer, I-T-S-C-A-L-L-E-D-S-O-C-K-E-R. I know, I know. Now, there is some fun discussion that takes place there, but you won't miss. So, follow me over there, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah.